0: You are now listening to The Life Is Not Complicated, You Are a Strong Opinions Podcast with mentor, role model, proven philanthropist, and best-selling author, your host, Carlos Wallace.
1: All right, I'm back with you on The Life Is Not Complicated, You Are Strong Opinions Podcast, and I got my man, Chance Glasgow, with me today. What's up, brother? Hey, dude, doing, man? Good to hang out. Uh, we just met today, finally, for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm just, it's an honor to have you on, man. Yeah. Like it's a lot of people that don't believe mm-hmm. it. They didn't believe I was gonna have <laughs> you. So. <laughs> so here we are, just the real deal. So tell us a little bit about you, man. Uh, I mean, I know Call of Duty, but yeah. just beyond that. Um, born
2: in Oklahoma, born in Tulsa. Uh, moved to Florida when I was about five or six. Uh, lived in Brevard County, you know, Titusville, Satellite Beach, Melbourne, that area. until I went to Full Sail over in Orlando. Uh, studied computer animation. Uh, 15 months in and out, two year associate science degree. Got out, uh, moved all the way to, actually try to get work in uh, LA. I don't know if you ever did that. Like, a, if you ever did it's, the LA move. It too
1: much. No, yeah. I never moved out there, but so, in, in and out. like
2: Yeah, so I went out there for the first time and I was there for a month. I was I was like sleeping in the back of my 88 Honda Accord. Right. With like towels rolled in the windows, parking <laughs> at Gold's Gym. Exactly. You know, like just trying to make it right out of school. Um, And so I would, you know, get up in the morning, I'd go, I had a membership to Gold's Gym, use their showers, you gotta smell good to get a job and everything, you know. So, yeah, I just did that and didn't find any work, had a horrible time. (laughs) Just driving back to Florida, thought I was just like, no idea, I had no idea what I was doing. Stopped in Tulsa, where I was born, to see family, stay with them. Had an internship working on a Medal of Honor game, which, you know, for, if any younger people are listening that haven't played a Medal of Honor, it was an offshoot from a Steven Spielberg film, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Right, I right. spawned out at the same time. And working on the PC version of that, so I started about maybe a third through that. And uh, as an intern, um, free for about a month, didn't get paid anything. My first job, they hired me, I think I was making like 22000 a year. Wow. But I was happy, I was getting money to play oh, yeah, games, yeah. you know, yeah. I was like more than I ever got from making my stupid little games. I was making games when I was a kid, too, like right. um, text adventure games using yeah. BASIC. Uh, one one that I always touch on in my talks is I made, I made a game with a friend called The Dennis Who Took Over Compton, and it was like a satire of 90s gangster rap and being like this like Dennis from the Upper Hamptons who somehow got all those dental tools right. all throughout like Compton, and he has to recover them. <laughs> It was kind of a reflection of, like, you know, playing adventure games when I was a kid and, like, some of the music we listened to in the 90s. Yeah.
1: So you've always wanted to be a gamer? like <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, you know, for, for me it was, yeah,
2: it was games or it was an astronaut or it was baseball. Okay. And I sucked at baseball.
1: Okay. So yeah. the astronaut of games. It was yeah, it. yeah. Okay, and gaming, it just happened to be in line.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's what happened with Full Sail. And then after the, uh, working on Medal of Honor, uh, that g- game went pretty well, but we didn't like we worked for so 22 of us out of the 30 left. Uh-huh and found uh, Infinity Ward. And had to come up with another franchise, another World War II franchise, to compete with Medal of Honor. Because we hooked up with Activision. Activision was a different publisher. Right, The right. wow. before. And so Activision was cool, because they let us kind of do what we wanted to do. Uh, like they just gave us f- more creative freedom. They realized we make the games, they make the money.
1: Right, right, it was, right, right. <laughs> and they usually work out better like that. Not just in, in game, but in publishing You know, as, a, as an author. like when. If the big publishers come in and try to tell you what to write it just doesn't quite work out like that like look yeah. man just give me budget and let me write the book you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah it's like uh, record albums if you uh you know let's say a band puts out a really popular al- album you know it sells mm-hmm. really well the, the label says do that album again but a little different you know? right they, yeah. they want more of the same basically. exactly they want to re- recycle it and, then, and creative people don't you know it didn't work like you that. know yeah. it's <laughs> like,
1: I don't got any fuel for this. I got fuel for something else. Yeah, Jay-Z said, you want my old stuff, buy my old album. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm not remaking that. Yeah, the same
2: thing for games. I mean, uh, Metal, or uh, sorry, uh, Modern Warfare, which was, you know, it's the most popular, highest rated Call of Duty franchise within Call of Duty, right? Uh-huh. Um, that wasn't supposed to happen. Like, what happened with uh, Modern Warfare is we were, we'd actually worked on World War, II, uh, World War II games for longer than America was in World War II. Wow! If you know anything about American foreign policy, <laughs> we're not there for a few months, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. So we we're like, we we're just sick of it, and we had all these ideas, like, oh, what about flashbangs and you know all these new weapons and helicopters and you know all this cool stuff you can do, but only in Modern Day. Wow! So Vince and Jason, the heads of our studio, went to Activision and they said, "Think cinematic Call of Duty, but it's Modern Day." And they're like, "Oh, there's already Counter Strike. You know, who wants to play Modern Day?" Mm-hmm. and so they came back and they told us and they're like actually just said no they showed us well, world War true sales keep going up keep going up you know do that and so we're like what if we just lock our doors for like two or three months and just prototype what we want to prototype and just don't tell them mm-hmm. and that's what we did <laughs> like we kept them out of our studio for like two or three months prototyping um, uh, one of the levels and they loved it but they're kind of mixed obviously kind of angry but it also thought it was amazing <laughs> but,
1: but i i think we can say safely say it worked out yeah it worked
2: <laughs> out i mean modern warfare 2 was you know uh, i Huge. think at the time the you know biggest selling game ever or something minus games that were attached like you know mario came with the nintendo you can't right outsell attached games right but, uh yeah that was when we went from being like you know modern warfare one was like oh we're up there with gta halo big games like that but modern warfare 2 was like now we're being compared to like avatar and Oh, star wow. wars and all these other huge franchises that make you know billions of dollars
1: man so crazy. that that was for me that was the peak of working on yeah call of duty man i love it that's that's what's up well before we go any further i want us to talk about how we met you yeah, know yeah. Uh, of course we've been on we're doing the conference calls for like the last six or eight months yeah but uh i i want to i want to share that story because i love the project we're on yeah working on and and i just again want to say thank you for you know dedicating your time to it because uh, I think it's a project that could really make a difference yeah and to me that's what it's all about mm-hmm. so to know someone of your statue is still willing to do that type of work that's yeah. that means a lot to me mm-hmm. yeah man thank uh, thanks for having me for sure but uh but yeah share share you know the virtual reality um stuff we're doing now yeah yeah so um you know obviously the reason we're both
2: here hmm is for the first time we are using uh, VR, our software Rumi, which is um, by my do- or my company, and Simulations, to connect social workers with victims of trauma, mostly human trafficking in this case, mm-hmm. uh, to see if they actually open up more with the social workers in VR. Um, from firsthand experience in VR and other people I know who are involved in VR, they'll all tell you that people feel more open. They're a little, a little more vulnerable in right. VR. Right. Um, the way I compare it to, it's kind of like, you know when you put sunglasses on <laughs> and you feel like people can't see you, kind of? You, 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 know, you feel you like like cool, <laughs> Yeah, you feel like, like you're blending in and people don't see you. You feel like hidden right. behind the sunglasses, even though you know everyone can see you. You're not right. visible. Like something about that, you feel like you're there, but at the same time, you don't feel completely attached you can't open up.
0: Yeah. Um, so sense. we're
2: seeing like people with social anxiety, Asperger's, whatever. Um, You know, they they seem to be a little more, feel a little more safe because they can just come out of it. Mm -hmm. Just take the headset off. So at this tomorrow, um, yeah, we're going to be putting um, some victims of human trafficking and other horrible situations in roomy with uh, social workers, uh, doing a little documentary, uh, doing a double-blind study, and hopefully we can find that um, this is a tool to help people who have been through a lot of crap. (laughs) Oh,
1: hey, man. I've labeled you a game-changer, so... Yeah, uh, this is gonna, this is see. a game-changing project. Yeah, I yeah. Promise. I see it already. And I'm,
2: I'm you know at first it was like I feel like it's one of those things that's gonna just keep building up. Like it's yeah. Obviously we're this is a big tomorrow's a big day we're shooting, but I think we're gonna learn a lot tomorrow. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm.
1: I told Dr. Bella to get ready for her uh, interview on the Today Show. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming
2: yeah let's see let's do it uh,
1: but yeah i uh i'm like i told her i'm just uh i'm glad she made me a part of the project you yeah, know, yeah with google with our think tank you can kind of pick who you want to be a part of yeah. you know what it is you're doing and as a matter of fact the the meeting where you guys met i wasn't even there yeah It yeah. was the orlando meeting and uh so how did she even approach you about it like just um
2: you know i was doing where. The, I forgot the name of the... You, do you know the name of the organization? I forgot the name. Yeah,
1: Google Next Gen. Oh, that was yeah. actually
2: Google Next Gen meeting? Yeah,
1: uh-huh. Oh, I thought yeah. that was something.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah so basically the, the theme was about IP law, right? Okay,
1: yeah. Well, what, see what we do. We meet in different places, and yeah. that particular one was in Orlando. Yeah, that was in Orlando, okay. And it'll specialize in something. That oh, it was like a...
2: Fo- okay, I got yeah. you. Yeah, Sometimes so that's cool. I had no like idea that was a Google event. Yeah. That yeah. It, it explains why I was... Really well put together. And look, <laughs> looked funded. Well <laughs> funded. Well funded. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was doing a panel with um, our CTO, Elbert Perez, on just VR technology and what we do. You know, we're, um, a little bit more about the tech. Basically, you know, everyone's used video conferencing and everyone's pretty much stressed out about it. You know, it's it's not it's not like hanging out with people. Right. You know, it's, it's awkward and you know, tons of issues. And so we use VR to take up to 40 people in the same room. Is that right? Yeah, in the same room, put them in there. You know, you've got controllers and your head's being tracked, so you've got your body language. Wow, that's so, dope. <laughs> that's yeah. like
1: you're actually there,
2: <laughs> Yeah, you feel like you're there. It's like in VR, a good VR experience, you know, you feel present. Yeah. When you network other people in that environment, then you feel present with them. And there's just like this sense of presence. So you're hanging out with people, whether it's a game or, or, or this. Right. You know, a VR gaming online is going to be amazing, because you're going to be hanging out with your buddies doing crazy stuff in war, you're gonna be in a war with your buddies wow. and you're gonna be hiding behind a wall, popping up, shooting, like it gets intense. That's uh, crazy. Not roomy, yeah we're conferencing yeah. but I'm, I'm a gamer obviously so I get right. excited about the VR games too. Um, but yeah like you can bring in 3D models so if you're an architect, let's, let's say you're an architect in Miami, you got a client in New York and you're like hey I'm, I'm you know making some progress let me show you. You pop that model into Rumi, you pop your SketchUp file into Rumi, you walk through your actual house or building that you're building, and you can go around with a 3D pen and, like, mark notes and, like, say, hey, this door is too tall. You know, bring in videos, bring in PDFs, wow. sound, yeah.
1: I need to talk to you about that off the mic, man. I, yeah, yeah, it's very really useful. Just in it. <laughs> yeah, it's in the just popping it. Yeah, basically,
2: it's the VR replacement for video conferencing. Yeah. So it does everything, everything that video conference it can do and more. You know, we have Full Sail University does classes. Harvard, they have a Egyptology class that they have inside of an Egyptian pyramid, a 3D model of a pyramid. Mm-hmm. And they have Chinese students in China and Harvard students in Boston being taught in real time under the same professor of Egyptology in a temple or in a pyramid. Right. Like, they're immersed in the environment that they're learning about.
1: That's amazing.
2: Man. So you can take any kind of environment, any any, any photogrammetry, any scan, any right. game environment, character, just
1: bring it in. So how do you how do you keep it updated as far as because of course you know if I bought the software now, it wouldn't include. All the pyramids, are, are and that's content.
2: Like think of it like as an MP3 player. It doesn't Ooh, come with okay. MP3s, you know. Right. So you can go on like Sketchfab, or you can make your own content. You know, there's a lot of places that sell content free as well, and bring it in. Something that's going to be huge for for education. You know, since you work in education a lot, is we need more content. We need more 3D models of anatomy. Well, there's plenty of anatomy, but just everything that you learn in school. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're going to be able to go in VR and see these things at scale and interact with them. Right. You know, because imagine, in, like in traditional school, you look at a, you've got a, either a PDF on an iPad or something, which isn't even traditional, super traditional is a textbook. Right. $200 textbook that shows you three angles of a drawing of a heart. Right. Well, in, in Rumi we just import that heart, it's animated, it's actually with all the ventricles, you walk around it, you can put it in scale, you can make it giant and you're absorbing that in three dimensions rather than looking at two-dimensional angles because you know, we're 3D people, Wow. You know, so to, to, to learn in 3D is, is a big difference. You know, it's, That's going to change
1: everything, yeah. man. I mean, it, it'll definitely give a better understanding because you're actually seeing what you're going to work with as yeah. opposed to just being on a page. Yeah, you know I mean, mean. If, if you can create
2: it in a 3D modeling program, you can experience it together in
1: VR, so. Man, you blowing my mind. Yeah, All fun. right, we're going to have to go to a break. man. I need to talk right. to him off, off mic because uh, <laughs> the ideas are coming to me. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. yeah, I mean, we could do this pod,
2: we could do this podcast. In, in vr just think about it wow each headset has a mic right right and so you're already lapeled up basically yeah it's in the same so the audio quality is awesome it's better than skype yeah and you can do it in any environment and you don't have to fly them over to your studio you're just like you get a
1: hold of a vr headset and let's meet roomie put yeah. yeah wow we'll be right back with you on the life's not complicated strong opinion podcast
0: Hi everyone, this is Liz Fawbless here to let you know about my children's book, You Have a Superpower. It's part of a series of books I've written to empower, to inspire, and to help young girls everywhere realize you have special talents, special gifts that can make you an amazing person. I call them superpowers because these extraordinary talents, whether it's math, science, art, sports, or even writing, can help change the way people look at themselves and the world just by watching how confident you are about your extraordinary gifts it's the perfect book for any young woman who needs a positive reminder that she's smart gifted and important you have a superpowers available on amazon.com order yours today and let that special young girl in your life know she can change the world one superpower at a time
1: Alright, we back with you. Uh, I got all the information I need, man. I, I'm, I'm making a lot of money dealing with man chains. Yeah, we about to get rich. So, uh, alright, let's let's pick it back up. You mentioned baseball, man. So you, I know yeah. you're a sports fan. Who, who's your team? Right here Dodgers, got my shoes on. Oh, <laughs> man, he got the signature sneakers. Yeah. Oh,
2: man, you're probably an Astros fan, I'm aren't you? Asking,
1: oh, no. Well, I, I, I'm, you know, honestly.
2: <laughs> I actually like the, I don't mind Astros, but they did kick our ass. I mean, that was a great series. It was a great series. That, that was, was amazing.
1: I'm not even really a big Astro fan. Yeah. I do love a great baseball game. Yeah. And I love a great series even more. Yeah. You're more of a but, playoff watching. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I,
2: I, I told, like baseball to me is my like was it um, ASMR like yeah. my, my background sound. Right, right. Like I put baseball on, and I'm doing something else. I'm yeah. on the internet. Um, maybe I'm working. Maybe it's like just it's like fishing. It's like right. fishing isn't about just the one moment you catch a fish. No. It's just you're chilling. It's something you yeah. chill to. You yeah, know?
1: you're right. Now I go to games every once in a while just because sponsors. Yeah. Are, you know. And I take a lot of young kids. And uh, Lone Star, the college that has my book, like Mm -hmm. they're one of the sponsors for Lone Star. So, you know, I go with them. And it's more of a social event more than anything. But I do enjoy going to the games because they're they're pretty energetic. Yeah, it seems like everyone enjoys going to baseball games. A lot of people don't enjoy watching it. And and for me, like
2: baseball, to me, like, I kind of geek out at it because, like, baseball, what's unique about baseball is it's not a real-time sport, Mm -hmm. right? Like basketball and, you know, football, soccer, it's all real-time. Mm-hmm. When you have, like, a turn-based sport, you know, I'm talking about this like as a video game, right? Real-time mm-hmm. versus turn-based is you can collect really interesting data because it's like, okay, you hit the ball, you stop on a base. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, I don't know if, I'm not sure if you've seen Moneyball. Have you seen Moneyball, the movie? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, because of that, like, there's... Basically like baseball stat nerds right. that pick apart the game that don't even aren't even really into baseball that not much They're the just fascinated like by the numbers the Stats, right um, and try to find out. What is that underlooked player on some? Bad team. That's not doing well. That's mm-hmm. actually really okay. good and they can dig into the stats and like find that person You know In the wrong and that's why you got teams like Tampa Bay yeah. and Oakland that's been almost nothing but they're always competitive right mostly most of the time.
1: And you know, basketball is going to that now because you're starting to get stat nerds in in the basketball. That, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what happened. That's how Golden State emerged. Yep. Because they 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 those are homegrown players. Yeah. You know when they say, "Oh man, they stacked that team." No, like they only yeah. added one guy. Those are just the right people. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they, they, yeah, they added. Exact right yeah, people. they picked. They chose the right ones in the draft, and they weren't necessarily the best player in the yeah. draft. But they were the best for what they wanted them to do yeah. are you mavericks no i'm a i'm a laker fan I, oh, cool. my mom nice. was she went to jerry west camp you know cool. when she was in high school so when she birthed me she told me you will be a laker fan so I, yeah i've been a laker uh, fan yeah, since it's not work. a
2: bad team to, well, i mean not their best times now but i mean our entire life you yeah know, they're it, doing great
1: things <laughs> it's a, well you know it's up and down like i really really became a fan um in like 79 80 when they drafted magic yeah, yeah. and that's when it first became on tv a lot you know so uh so i was there for the magic years and mm-hmm. then of course when he went down and lakers took a back seat for you know several years so
2: um yeah i, I got into the magic when their expansion team okay so i was a hardcore fan as a kid when it was like you know um you know before shaq like when it was uh, stanley roberts and, like, oh wow mark
1: anderson and, Dennis Scott, Scott Skiles. It's funny you bring up Stanley Roberts, because people you know don't who he realize is? I was about to say people don't realize he used to kick Shaq's ass at LSU. <laughs> yeah like Shaq had to back him up. Yeah. It could and have been an
2: age experience thing, maybe. You just,
1: uh, I think Stanley just made money and got fat, got lazy, you know maybe, when know. he got in the league. Well just, Shaq like, did too, but it was late. Like
2: Stanley Roberts was uh an icon when in fourth grade for me and my friends. Okay. So we created this club, actually Doghead Club, which is what
1: the, oh, okay, the yeah, dog yeah. Simulations,
2: yeah. and simulations. That's where we got the name from. And so I was just, I was a really goofy, I mean, I was. I, I am a really goofy person. Um, and we had this club, and we called Stanley Roberts. His nickname to us was Bog Frog. And he was like this icon this leader and even though he wasn't even a very good player you right. know like he wasn't he was average at best probably
1: on the magic you know and now at lsu he was he yeah was yeah, a beast yeah. then yeah. i think he got the money and just got lazy i, I mean he was... looked
2: like a lazy person of shaq like yeah. he looked like yeah. <laughs> basically yeah. like shaq kind of let himself go a little bit yeah that's that's true i hope that's he's
1: true. not listen to this Probably hey, not. I t- love t- you, Stanley. You're the one and only
2: Bog frog to Man, me. <laughs> Stanley
1: Roberts should have been one of the greatest big men to ever play. Like, seriously. Yeah. He just, always... like I said, gained weight and just... What is he doing now? Is he... I don't know. Let's find that out. Wow. I, I Man, I heard... When Funny. you said that name, I was like, wait a minute. Like, yeah. I
2: hadn't heard that
1: name. And even. so he
2: I was, I liked basketball, but I, I was the tallest kid. In, you know, I was in high school. I was 6'3", 155 pounds. Mm. Tall and skinny. But, man, I, I didn't... I couldn't jump, so it doesn't matter. I was tall. Right. Like, basically, you could take someone who's five, six, but if they've got, you know, nine inch vertical more than me, they're basically the same height. Right,
1: right, right. right. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, um, yeah, I was bad at basketball, but I enjoyed it.
1: Wow. So you went to school with Standing Robb, man? I no, I didn't go to school, though. Oh, okay. No, no, I no. You no. Went he's, he's yeah. He's, no,
2: he's, I was, no, I was staying in school in fourth grade when he was, yeah, he's oh, probably got okay. 15 years on me. Um, yeah, he. Uh, we just really liked him for some reason. Big stamp. Idolized him for some Man, reason.
1: Man, that dude was a troop. Now Shaq did play in uh, San Antonio, my senior year, because he traveled around. His his dad was in the army, but his we graduated the same year, '89, and that year his team won state. Really? Yeah. Wow. And yeah. I don't even think he was the best player on that team. Yeah, he was. You know, he was big. Yeah, <laughs> he just yeah. a big old kid. Yeah. But uh, also
2: to me, Manute Bol was like. He was a really good person. Manute Bol, like mm-hmm. he like so he was kind of like a, like like a Manny Pacquiao, like almost a huge chunk of his salary went to like Africa. Give know, back, like, yeah. like he gave back, and he unfortunately died at a young age. But right. his son now, Bol Bol. I saw him yeah, uh, he's, he's, last year I'm during like, the playoffs, yeah, the college he's, playoffs. Yeah, he's he looked coming. like he's
1: pretty good. Yeah,
2: he's got more agility. He's not quite as big, but mm-hmm. He's still like six eleven or seven foot or something yeah. and,
1: and he can shoot the three yeah and who's gonna block that's it that's scary seven footer <laughs> yeah shoot who's, who's gonna block it <laughs> but uh yeah that's crazy so yeah you're a sports fan you know you know names that uh, a lot of people don't know yeah now it's back to orlando magic man they they started out like they were gonna be a great team you know they made some they're like always on the cusp you yeah, know I mean? yeah yeah and then after Shaq left it's like it's just a nosedive. yeah I mean, he was
2: a star attraction.
1: Yeah, and then Penny was uh just injuries. You know, yeah. had Penny Hardaway not had the injury bug like he did, that, he, he would have been a great player. Yeah. He's doing some great things now. Though. He's coaching yep. up in Memphis, yes, he, and uh, it's good stuff. Uh, let's talk about some challenges, man. You, right. you said something about you know you sleeping in your car. We got that. So after after you know you get into the business, you're making the money, you, you, you kind of hit the cruise control. Yeah. What are some of the challenges you face uh, after that? Um, I
2: think the lifestyle of having to make being a game developer. It's a lot of time in front of a computer. You gotta mm-hmm. stay, it's easy to let your health go you know it's it's you've heard about i don't know if you're about crunching in the game industry but it's got a pretty bad reputation of like some studios work people 70 80 hours a week oh, like wow. insane like seven days a week 12 hours a day is yeah. production production fairly production. common like really like tor- towards mm-hmm. the end of a, a cycle now at infinity ward we had really good management uh, jason events were you know really good at managing the team and everyone else that had managed positions and We didn't have to crunch that much. You know, we would do like 12 hours, Monday through Friday when we're crunching. And that's not bad for for games. Doing 12 hours, Monday through Friday is not considered a a crazy crunch. So it can take a a toll on your health because they give you a lot of free food. You know, basically you're catered catered, uh, lunch and dinner when you're crunching, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's tempting to order whatever tastes best. Uh, You've got your kitchen stocked full of candy. You know, it's full of crap. And you know, monster drinks. We got we had a beer fridge, like <laughs> everything that can make you unhealthy. And you're sitting all the time, right? Um, so you gotta find something extremely active to like balance that out. Just so, to just yeah, to, yeah. You, you gotta keep your body moving, doing something crazy to balance out that monotone sitting.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the side people don't know. Like. You know, they they get to see when you get the awards for the great games and all that. But this the the torture part they don't get to see. That twelve hours a day, five days a week, some people just pass out at hearing yeah. that. Like yeah,
2: like if you see uh, like interviews with me when I, you know Modern Warfare one and two, I look I look so different. Right. Yeah, I look not skinny. I don't know. I just look weird, <laughs> skinny fat almost, not pale. Right. Yeah, like it's, it's no good, man. Totally <laughs> do.
1: It's crazy. <laughs> so uh what do you what do you where do you see this going like as far as the virtual reality like what's the the future of it um
2: man it's it's gonna it's gonna advance quick like all other technologies um you know we're getting starting to see eye tracking mm-hmm. built, built in so that we can actually know what people are looking at which is great for us because we can have that a little extra emotion when people move their eyes there's something human about tracking eyes, right? But for businesses, this is gonna be like, hey, you're walking through a supermarket, let's see what people are looking at. You know, what are really? their eyes being drawn to? And so for data and for enterprise and stuff, eye tracking will be huge for like products and just to know like what
1: exactly are people eyeing, you know? When they shopping or, or, yeah, yeah. or just what it, man, that's crazy. So would that be in like cameras or? Um,
2: yeah, it's just like cameras that sense where your eyes are pointed at basically. It, infrared cameras that are built into the headset. Yeah. yeah you just look at your, I guess your iris, your corona or whatever, and just kind of follow it. Wow, that's crazy. Haptics, feedback, uh, higher resolution. Like we need to get to like 4K per eye before it's what I'd say really clear. Mm-hmm. And right now we're at like 3K in total, you know? So not almost 4K. There. Yeah, Yeah,
1: not quite. Yeah, it's, and it's, we need,
2: you know, powerful GPUs to, to process, you know, 4k times two that's insane like to do that 90 frames a second yeah you can't do 60 frames a second you'll get sick when your whole vision is filled with a frame you have to have a higher frame rate so your brain doesn't
1: get all wonky okay yeah wow man you're you blowing my mind well we're gonna take another break and when we come back i want to talk to you about um uh, the mass shootings and and politicians or even the media now trying to blame it on games all right all right, we'll be right back with you on the Lifestyle Complicated Strong Opinion podcast. The things students say, like, you know, man, because of this book, I didn't commit suicide. Because of this book, I can now uh, speak in public and come out of my shell. Because of this book, I'm not so worried about what other people say about me, you know? Not looking for their validation. That's what means, that you know, that's what, that's what touches me. Um, my favorite chapter was about... Not letting either your boss, uh,
0: boyfriend, girlfriend, mother, family, anybody get in your way of being successful in whatever it is you want to do. To purchase Life is Not Complicated, You Are, or The Other 99 Times, or to download the audio versions, please visit carloswallace.com.
1: Stream Life is Not Complicated, You Are, and The Other 99 Times. Train your mind to enjoy serenity. On Tidal, Spotify, and Audible today. All right, we're back with you on the Life is Not Complicated. You are a strong opinions podcast with my man, Chance Glasgow. Uh, so when we left, man, I tell you, I, I wanted to come back and ask you about, you know, the politicians or even the media yeah. blaming the mass shootings on video games.
2: I mean, I think I'm with most people on this. What the hell are they thinking? <laughs> you know, like, like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Are we the, you know, it's pretty, you just look at common sense. Well, look at Japan. Right. You know, how many mass shooters does Japan have? Right. Um, and they have had video games before anybody, basically. Mm-hmm. Their their culture has been deep in video games for decades. Right. Yeah. Um, and you have other countries, you know, like Japan has you know, virtually no civilian guns. We have S- Switzerland, which has tons of guns and no one, there's no mass shootings. So it's, I think everyone's looking for a simple answer and that's why they're fighting over it when it's like, we gotta admit, there's no simple answer here, Right, you know? right, right. Um, yeah, it's, but if, there's been study after study that's shown there is no connection uh, to violence in video games. And there's been a study that actually showed that uh, violent crime drops after a release of a major violent video game, like a GTA or a Halo, Call of Duty, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing is it's just kind of like people stay inside, so they're committing less crimes, and right. they're getting out a little of aggression too, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one study that's been cited over, you know, there's always one study that's mm-hmm. being cited that by politicians. They don't care about the you know 50 others or no. whatever it is. Um, that they keep citing over that it's, you know, you could argue it's unreliable data or you could say, well, there's 30 other studies that contradict it and it's sample size, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the thing is, first off, we make your, you know, when I make games. I'm making games for adults. I'm not making games for kids. Right. There's even a, in the front of the box is M, you know, mm-hmm. 17 and older, right? Right. Um, I don't control what parents you know, what parents let their kids consume, right? Right. Uh, it's just like movies. You don't hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, it's those rated R movies. <laughs>
1: we got to keep those it's out of It's the exact house, same
2: obviously. thing. Well, yeah, yeah, just like just like rated R movies, yeah. you know, don't let your seven-year-old watch them and right. play them, right? Um, And so, yeah, it's... it's uh, obviously, I have a lot of sympathy for anyone involved in something like that, you know, mass shooting, but let, let's be realistic. It's like we're looking for a scapegoat there, right? <laughs> that's,
1: that's exactly what it is. I mean...
2: And oh. there are there are some people that I I would say probably should not play violent video games like yeah. some people but they're already unstable. But they're already they're unstable. already unlikely yeah. to do stupid things. The game
1: is just it's that other block, but they're, yeah, they're yeah. already they're already kind of leaning. Yeah, I mean in the
2: eighties, I'm sure there was kids that like got a gun and shot something because of GI Joe or something, right? Right, like,
1: right.
2: it's whatever they're gonna latch onto and get excited about.
1: Well, and what what bothers me is uh, parents that want to blame everything except themselves you know I, yeah. I remember when the Columbine uh, shooting happened and they were interviewing one of the parents it was like uh, 93 yeah like, I think it was, like, I think it was like 95
2: 96 yeah. and then
1: blame doom yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were interviewing one of the moms because the kid I think two of the kids they were having the guns mailed to the house yeah and it was like how can those kids have they ordered yeah, these yeah, yeah, yeah. and you didn't know yeah. and she said well i hadn't been in his room in six months they should have locked six up right months. then like, <laughs> she hadn't been in his bedroom yeah. in six months like she yeah. should have been arrested on the spot like what that's just poor parenting
2: yeah i i think in the end we're gonna come to yeah i don't know man like it's it's complicated you know like you know, personally, you know, I, I am a supporter of the Second Amendment, mm-hmm. but I'm also a supporter of sensible yeah. checks, you know, for some people that could be unstable.
1: Yeah, well, um, I have an idea, and uh, I'll share it with you off yeah. record because it's going to be in my next book, so I don't want right. to put it out. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But, yeah, but, uh, but I think, uh, I mean, there are sensible resolutions. There, there yeah. it is. It's simple to you and I. I just think... Uh, of course the NRA has big influence yeah, yeah. and for, for whatever reasons you know they want to sell more guns obviously yeah, yeah. you know you want to make more money but I just challenge anyone to tell me why we need an assault style weapon anywhere in the public like what what purpose is it except for the reason to kill people in mass numbers
2: well I there's weird because people say that term a lot and I never know what they're talking about because everyone has
1: a different idea of what assault rifle is in their head if I can touch the trigger and it'll spray like 30 bullets in two seconds? But that's not legal. Those are legal. Those are already illegal.
2: That's fully auto. Like uh, Where are they coming from? So the thing about it, like, for instance, AR-15, the, the reason that's the most commonly used weapon okay. isn't necessarily because it's the most deadly. It's like the Honda Civic of guns. Okay. They're they're not too expensive. They, they're reliable. They have tons of modifications. Okay. They're just the most common weapon, right? And so an AR-15, you pull the trigger, one bullet, or you you pull the trigger once one bullet comes out, right? Mm -hmm. Just like a revolver. Okay. Or just like a lot of hunting rifles too. Like those hunting rifles are the same thing. Right. So in California where they kind of defined a lot of these rules of what's an assault rifle, well, you could have a hunting rifle, but if you put like a pistol grip on it, they say, oh, that's now a dangerous military assault rifle Mm -hmm. because the grip changed or because the the stock extends, right? Okay. but in reality, the danger of that weapon is equal to a hunting rifle, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's why I don't necessarily think, uh, personally, I don't necessarily think that you know, even if you just made all of AR-15s disappear magically, well, there's plenty of other weapons that are basically the exact same function. They can do the same yeah, thing. yeah. It just we associate the image of that weapon with war because that's what we use most commonly with infantry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, except the M, the ones they have are M4s and they're fully auto. They can switch to fully auto. Right. Um, so when someone asks me, like, should we get rid of assault rifles? I guess I'm not really sure what... Um, are they talking just semi-auto? Because that's like most weapons. That's mm-hmm. almost most guns. And we've got, what is it like, more guns than people right here, right? Like, like yeah. 300 million guns or something? Right. Um, what kind of bloodshed would we have to this country face? Like, what kind of civil war would you face if we actually took the necessary action to eliminate most of those?
1: Well, you couldn't. I mean, because once it's in your hand, like, the government's not going to come into your house and well, there say, were, yeah. how many guns do you have? Yeah, like, yeah We need yeah. to take them out. Like, that's not going to happen. It's just, yeah. We're not that type of country.
2: And These so, like, there. I feel like the if you really did something... Only thing that would work would be something really extreme, and something really extreme would lead to extreme violence, I think.
1: I have a good idea. I'm going to share it with you yeah. on, on the next break. And, and it's not necessarily banning the, yeah, the yeah. weapon, but, but uh, I, I think you'll like it. It's, uh, you know, the the biggest thing, when I worked for the railroad, there was rules that Union Pacific would enact. And not necessarily the end... The, FRA, yeah. which is, you know, the government railroads. And they would enact these certain rules, and I would think they were stupid. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's dumb. You know, one in particular, trains were governed on a signal system, yeah, just yeah. like cars, right? And red is stop. And there was a year, I think, 98, 99, there was one year where we had a high number of trains running red blocks. Yeah. So they enacted this new rule that a train can't come within 400 feet of a red signal. Yeah. So if you had to stop, the next signal is red, you had to stop 400 feet away from it mm-hmm. to, you know, because any closer is a threat to you yeah. bypassing it. Well, everywhere that there's a red signal, we had specific places where we stopped, yeah. near a store, yeah. near a, you know, for whatever reason. Well, now with this new rule, you can't stop by the store because you, it's 400 feet. And we thought it was just dumb, like, man, that makes no sense. But a year later, the red block violations decreased like 90%. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because you changed the whole culture. Mm-hmm. Now your stop point in the signal yeah. is 400 feet from the signal. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it changed the culture. It may not do it in one day or two days yeah, yeah. or three days. But over time, yeah. because now the engineer starts, his his mindset is to stop 400 feet before signal, the signal, not at the signal. It, yeah. right. Because you're thought to stop at the signal, and your train is heavier than you imagine and it pushes you through the signal yeah that's so what the extra buffer zone there you go yep. you know so it's changing the whole culture yeah um that that eventually you know changes the the mentality of the people mm-hmm. yeah and eliminate video games is not it Like. no that's it's, but uh but i like i said i have a solution that i, I think uh well, that you'll like it. um being a global person, like in, in gaming and, and programming, you know, things like that, like what you do, you work with people from, of all walks, right? Like from all around the world. Yeah, I mean,
2: obviously gaming is super international. After Call of Duty, I moved to Brazil. I was there for a few years uh, living in Brazil, then came back to Orlando a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of traveling. Uh, at the end of a project, as an, as an animator, you know, we can't really change stuff in the game right before it ships. Like art has to be in and done. And then we're just sitting back fixing major bugs, but we have tons of time off. So they'd send me out to these other countries in Europe, uh, Brazil, and just do a lot of media, meet a lot of people. It was, it was cool just to travel and get paid, you know.
1: I thought that was interesting too. Yeah, share some of that. Like he was telling me off, off Mike, like about traveling around doing press. Yeah. Cause I yeah. think people think about athletes doing it or even rappers, or actors, but a gamer. Yeah, I mean a lot of game
2: developers aren't the in front of the camera types. They're not not comfortable. And so the pool to like choose from developers that want to, you know, do that job, it's usually not pretty high. And so a background in like improv, we talked about this Uh and then acting and like used to do stand up in LA for a while too. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) stand up, (laughs) comedy store, Ice House.
1: Oh, what? Come on, man. Um,
2: And so I was just like comfortable being on, you know, in front of camera on stage. It was like, what, I hate seeing myself. I never want to watch myself on video, but I don't mind being there and doing it doing because yeah. I know no one else like f- feels the way about I do about myself on video you know like no one cares <laughs> grading you the way you yeah exactly I get it um, but yeah so it was just kind of a good mix and it's a nice change from like behind the desk
1: hmm yeah I, like I said I I don't think I ever thought about that mm. like you know developers um, doing the interview yeah. you know for the purpose of promoting a new a new product because, hey, I hear about the game, Madden, games like that. They just kind of sell. When they come out, they come out.
2: I actually got a good story about traveling for Call of Duty.
1: Oh, come on. All right, so, uh, so I
2: was in uh, Leipzig, Germany, right? German media, a little a little more sensitive than other countries in Europe. They've got some historical reasons. You know? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're kind of like overly, you know, a little. And, and so Activision, you know, I have to play. This is uh, Modern Warfare 1 and I have to play through the level all gillied up in front of 500 media people at Gamescom, the biggest video game conference in the entire world, right? Wow. And so they're like, you got to play through this level, but you can't use God mode. I'm like, really? And they're like, you can't make sure you hit every shot because we can't hurt the dogs. So there's German shepherds. <laughs> and I don't know if it was like, it was because they were dogs or because they were German. <laughs> wow. You know, like, like why they're like, but it was weird like, shoot all the humans in the head. So you don't have to hurt the dogs. Like, what? Wow. <laughs> all right, whatever, whatever. Activision, I'm gonna go with this. And so I, I, I rehearsed it. I went through like 20 times at work, playing this level, headshot, headshot. You know, perfect. Nothing happened. Right. Finally, I get there. You know, in Germany, I'm playing. It's live. 500 media people all over from Europe.
0: First so guy, like good. A, it's like on a big yeah, screen. Yeah, huge,
2: huge projector. And I'm in the back, like, playing it live. And no one does this anymore. Like, any time you see E3, it's all pre-recorded. Because like, oh. every anytime you try to do something live, something's going to go bad. Yeah. That's just how it is in games. It's going to crash, or in my case. So I'm playing, and I get to, like, the second, first guy, good. Second guy, got him. Third, third guy, they got a fourth, is, like, up in a tower. And he's walking behind, like, this piece of wood support. And um, I pull the trigger right as he's, like, behind that support and I hit the wood, <laughs> and then you start hearing the dogs. Like, oh no, <laughs> the one thing, I did this perfectly 20 times. I'm running around in circles, because I'm like, I can't kill the dogs, but I want to look like I'm playing. You know, so what do I do? Yeah. What do I, and so you know when you you play any first person shooters on like Xbox or PlayStation, uh-uh. and when you, you know, R3, like when you push down on the thumb pads, it's like a melee, right? right? In this case, it was the, I, I, I tensed up right, like so the, the dog jumped onto me, and I tensed up, and I hit R3. Oh, and R3 timed perfectly is where you grab the German Shepherd by the neck and you just snap it. <laughs> oh, and so I just snap this poor German Shepherd's neck—not a real one, in case you well, just in. Well, you didn't shoot me, you yeah, shoot yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, in case you're just tuning in, this is a video game, <laughs> yeah, right, right. right, right. just—and just, he just hits the floor, and it's just quiet. And then you hear one guy in the background, like ten, like you know, f- like a few seconds later, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> and then everyone gets in and then everyone's clapping and cheering because and no oh, one wanted wow. to be the first person to cheer to that yeah. but then once the first person cheered everyone was like hell yeah this is awesome wow <laughs> and then um, later the next day in uh, Kotaku, Australia they had an <laughs> article that says Infinity Ward hates puppies yeah it was, it was a
1: joke but yeah, yeah. and it was yeah so that was uh, that was fun <laughs> man the life of a gamer.
2: Yeah, man. I got to snap a German shepherd's <laughs> neck in front of 500 press people.
1: <laughs> you talk about awkward, man. Yeah, man. That is good. crazy. All right, we're going to take one last break. We'll be right with you for the last segment of Life's Not Complicated, Strong Opinion Podcast.
0: Hi everyone, this is Liz Faulbless here to let you know about my children's book, You Have a Superpower. It's part of a series of books I've written to empower, to inspire, and to help young girls everywhere realize you have special talents, special gifts that can make you an amazing person. I call them superpowers because these extraordinary talents, whether it's math, science, art, sports, or even writing, can help change the way people look at themselves and the world just by watching how confident you are about your extraordinary gifts. It's the perfect book for any young woman who needs a positive reminder that she's smart, gifted, and important. You Have a Superpower is available on Amazon.com. Order yours today and let that special young girl in your life know she can change the world one superpower at a time.
1: All right, we're back with you on the life is not complicated. You are a strong opinion podcast. Uh, no dogs were hurt on that last seg- uh, episode, that last segment. So relax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so let's round it out, man. Um, so again, you know, we've been on conference calls and emails for like the last six, seven months, and one thing I can I can honestly say. Whether it be the conference call, email, and now that I meet you in person, man, you're a very humble guy. Thank you, man. You know, Appreciate and, and that I, I really mean that. I am
2: really humble. I'm so damn humble. Really, like, <laughs>
1: that's, that's that's true. Like, I, I mean, I'm not just saying that because you're here. Yeah. I, I, I you know, um, I told Dr. Bella that several times.
2: Cool. I mean, honestly, like, people got to recognize that their success wasn't just them; it was the other people around me too. Yeah. And if i didn't have all those super talented people around me you know i wouldn't be able to leverage my career you know the way i have um so yeah it's just something to keep in mind
1: yeah I, that was i was gonna ask you like what does it because you know you you get some people man they get just i i compare life to football yeah. all the time like you know you get some people they score the first touchdown in the first quarter and they're celebrating the win and i'm like dude you still got three more quarters to play yeah <laughs> you yeah. know you didn't win the game yeah you know and uh, you you can fall off yeah. before, the, before the you know before the game's over. Yeah, I think humility goes a long way. I mean, anytime I meet someone that I know that like
2: they do something cool that I appreciate and they're humble, yeah, it's it's always a, a bonus. And I you, figured most people probably feel the same way. Oh yeah, I definitely because like, people want to be around someone real. And sometimes I'll get you know these whether it's kids or just hardcore Call of Duty fans. They talk to me and they look all nervous. I'm like, dude, I'm just. A, I'm just like you, man. <laughs> like <laughs> play video games or do the same, you know. Like yeah. just chill. It's it's all good. I like that. I like yeah. that. And uh, man, yeah. You know, I, I grew up. I didn't grow up, you know. I grew up kind of lower middle class, like, you know, like a coupon cutting family. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> like, hey man, hey, it's an these stamps? I live man. in the double wide <laughs> in Oklahoma. You know, yeah. I've I've seen some stuff, you know.
1: Right. Like, <laughs> 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 so I'm I'm pretty happy with where I am, you know. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So do you, uh, do you mentor any younger, uh, programmers?
2: Um, I've been, uh, not officially yet, but there's, um, I've been meeting with a full sale student recently and kind of, you know, he's going to probably get involved a little bit with some doghead stuff and, um, just kind of give him some guidance. He's actually from Miami. Uh, Actually, he's originally from, um, Sudan. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh. He's got some interesting stories, just from like the Civil War and all this stuff over there. And so, I, so I've been talking to him, and um, you know, Sudan to Miami, so he's kind of like a mix of both, I guess. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's an yeah. interesting mix, right? Okay. No um, and yeah, so that um, that seems to be evolving in something similar. But I haven't, um, I haven't done anything official, honestly. I don't have that much experience with kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just I haven't had kids. All right. I'm cool. With, Kids, most yeah. kids. I, I taught kids, and uh, when I went to university at Full Sail, I, I was tutoring kids. Yeah, it's the last time I actually officially worked with them. But. Yeah, hmm.
1: now the, the guys you grew up with, like now that you're back in Orlando, or you know, since you came back, do you see like a lot of the guys you grew up with, or you know, uh, I just had my 20th year reunion two weekends ago.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, so that was cool. It was
1: like me and my
2: two close buddies, you know, one's in Gainesville, one's in uh, Vieira. Okay and then there would be like three or four other people that were like kind of good like kind of good friends like friends but not super close mm-hmm. and then everyone else was pretty much i kind of i think i kind of recognize that person you know <laughs> like and so my 30 year i don't know i think we're just going to do our own yearly thing since we're in florida just see the people that we want to see yeah right.
1: So you like the coolest dude in the class like are they- I was a nerd or not a nerd I was like a nerd. No I mean now they they look at you as like oh. the famous guy or they just Oh yeah there was
2: a lot of joking like oh it's call of duty chance or like call of duty guy I get called <laughs> call of duty uh, it's kind of annoying but whatever I guess it's not a bad thing. Um yeah I mean this, some people asked about it and they're like wait I remember you you were one of the guys that worked on Call of Duty you know, and that, that happens a lot. Yeah. It's like yep. <laughs> cool. But yeah in, in high school I was I was not I was kind of a. I was in theater. I wasn't a thespian, man. I couldn't. I couldn't handle most theater people. That's why I didn't act after high school. I, yeah. I, you did, you've done acting, right? Yeah, improv. Yeah.
1: And you know, like not
2: all actors are like this, but in high school, there's a lot of attention. Yeah, people. Like, you yeah. want attention.
1: Yep. And Overly I can't be around more than <laughs> one of those people in the same room. <laughs> I get it. Overly emotional, man. Yeah. And even a lot of comedians like that. Like yeah, man.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. Most. I'd say most of the successful comedians are a lot of you, you know but yeah man comedy i don't know if you've done stand-up before no i just manage you know just manage yeah, comedy. Just, stand-ups i mean you, you say so you've been around stand-up you yeah mean, yeah and it's just like painful sometimes it's man. brutal yeah it's brutal it's like if you can get up there and
1: have a microphone in your hand and make someone laugh for five minutes like i tell people all the time, the young comics want to do my show man I said how much time you want to do you oh, have 10 minutes Young man, you don't understand. <laughs> Give me long... two minutes. <laughs> we'll 10, talk about five later. You know, like... Ten minutes in front of 500 people that you've never met?
2: No. I think 15 was the longest I ever did. That's
1: a long time. Yeah, that was, that was like, it really only had 10. I had to stretch that 15 out. Yeah. that it. Well, you know, I do public speaking, and it's kind of the same thing. You know, <clears throat> I tell people, it's not necessarily making people laugh, but it's a one-direction conversation. Yeah. To be able to talk for 15 minutes consecutively without someone talking back is hard to do. Yep. That's I very can, hard I to can't do. do that normally. Yeah, and that's... You like, have to give them alcohol for it to even work. Something. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's very impressive, you know, for comics to be able to do that. Yeah. Like, I try to explain that to non-comedic mm-hmm. people. Like, they don't understand. Oh, I could do that. No, you don't understand brother talking trash at your family reunion or at the barbershop yeah, everyone
2: thinks they make their friends laugh they can tell jokes but it's man, not the like, same
1: no it's not the same like
2: how many times i feel like this joke's gonna kill and nothing it, yeah or other times where like this joke sucks i guess i'll say it and then
1: and they want to come to you on stage you'll do it and you'll say hell i didn't even think that was gonna be funny yeah because it looks natural people yep. like to and it's hard to look natural well a lot of it is your body language yeah. you know how you sell the joke Yeah. you know do you make it realistic? Like it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's such an art form. I love it because, like, I love comedy and poetry. Yeah. Because it's like the last two art forms where the artist can get on stage, night in and night out, mm-hmm. and speak their truth. Yep. Without filter, you know, music every day is filtered. And people more have and more to accept forms. it, even if they're
2: offended. I mean, nowadays there's
1: definitely you know a little
2: more hoopla and. People freaking out if you say anything offensive. But in well, general, it's like the safest space It's uh, historically.
1: And, and even with that, it just depends on the comedian. You yeah. know, when people ask me about that. They go, man, what do you think about people trying to regulate comedy? I say they can't. Only comedy can regulate comedy, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, let's say I'm a comedian and Budweiser is one of my biggest endorsers Yeah. for whatever reason. They pay me a million dollars a year just to say, I, you know, I do a couple of commercials or whatever. And then I do a joke. That may be offensive to say gay people or, yeah. or uh, Middle Eastern people yeah. or, or whoever, whatever. blacks, whatever. Some group, some tribe that people have defined over time. And, and, <laughs> and I go, man, I, that was no big deal, you know. Blow. Yeah. And Budweiser go, look, you either need to do a statement and retract that, or we can't sponsor you. No, okay, yeah. take your sponsor and go to hell. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's what it takes. You can't restrict me. You can say if you don't apologize, we're gonna yeah. take this million dollars. Well, okay, go right ahead. That's what restricts you. Mm -hmm. The need for the million dollars, you know. When you don't put yourself in that position, you don't have to worry about that. So, no, they can't restrict comedians. Only comedians can restrict comedians. uh, In Brazil, they just recently arrested a comedian for
2: telling a gay joke. Is that right? It wasn't even... I think I remember the joke, and it was, like, not even really negative. It was just a joke. Yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, so I, I hope that, I mean... We've got constitutional rights. So yeah, I was going to see,
1: that's, that's what I'm saying. In America, you, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, you, the public can get mad. Twitter can yeah, erupt yeah. and all And that. that's worse than it's often just, what
2: the law will do, you it, know? Like, the backlash from the public is almost its own only punishment. Only if the comedian
1: TV. feels threatened by yeah, yeah. the monetary, you know, yeah. assault. Like, D.L. Hughley is my favorite comedian of all time. Yeah,
2: you know. Oh, yeah. And I didn't even know him. I got. I mean, I heard his name, but I've never. Man, he
1: is. He 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 lives is, his truth. Is he <laughs> uh, what era? Of, is he... He's he's a, he's one of the four kings of comedy. Okay, like yeah. he's older, fifty, mid 50s oh, right, now, okay, oh, yeah. early maybe sixty. But he is. He is a. He just called like it is. He don't care. Yeah. So I met him, like fifteen years ago, and he was supposed to do the White House Correspondents Dinner yeah. for George Bush. Like George Bush is a fan of his junior. Mm-hmm. And uh, funny enough, a lot of older white men are fans of his. Like my mentor Michael, he's seventy-two year old. Cosby, man. or yeah. loves Bill Cosby. I but say. DL is like <laughs> offensive to white oh, people. Really? though. really? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's
2: speaking the truth then. You know? Well, yeah, he,
1: well, yeah. it Depends on yeah, yeah. 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 And so he's do, he's due to do the White House Correspondence yeah. Dinner, and the press secretary said, "Well, I need to see your set." Yeah. You know, he said, "Well, I don't write my set." He goes, "You don't understand." In order for you to do this, I have to read your set, approve yeah. the jokes. He goes, well, I can't do it. And he said, all right, we'll get someone else. How many comedians would do that? <laughs> and I, yeah, so I was yeah. like, this is a man. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like, for you to be able to turn something down like that. Because some people, they need that to make their career or, or whatever. And and he lives in a space that's like, I ain't know. Yeah. For, for me, it was... Um... Mitch Hedberg
2: was mm-hmm. my favorite and man it's like there's only one man. I mean there's closest that we'd have would be like a, you know Stephen Wright would have been you know kind of similar in ways and then Dimitri Martin has some similarities but man Mitch is just like my problem is when I'd write jokes it's almost like I'd be writing jokes for him but yeah. it's but I'm not him right you know so I'd like you know write a lot of stuff a kind of similar vein of kind of offbeat mm-hmm. observational humor and sometimes it lands sometimes it wouldn't you know yeah. but what's cool is like I wrote this I had this weird thing, like, I think maybe because I, wa- I read a lot of Farside growing up, you know, Farside? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And read a lot of National Geographic books. I was into animals. I, I had so much material that I never used. It was all animal-based humor. And so what happened is that before we did Rumi, you know, the VR stuff, I was prototyping with Albert um, a VR game called Bear Tender, <laughs> where you're a bear bartender and you just, like, various animals come into your bar and every animal has its own personality. So like the sloth would come in, he's like, Come on, I want a Red Bull vodka. <laughs> you find out, like, the, the sloth is always wanting the uh, Red Bull because he wants to be just a regular speed animal, you know? He's got like a meth addiction, basically, <laughs> just to be normal. <laughs> <laughs> or you got the horse who's uh, always talking about being pre op, but you find out it just wants to be a centaur. Just, uh, just wants yeah. to be a centaur. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, all these goofy animal personalities where I took all this, like, unused. A lot of them, they weren't written jokes all the time. It was like, you know, how you get a... Like, the comedians have a document. And oh, it's, not, it's not all jokes. It's like weird observations yes. and they turn into jokes. Yep. And so I took all that and I had like two or three pages of drunk animal dialogue. Because like, what, what the hell would a drunk gorilla say to like a drunk chinchilla? Like there's right. so much comedy in these exchanges you can oh, have course. between drunk animals. It,
1: um, wherever your imagination will go. <laughs>
2: but yeah, we went where the money would go, which yeah. is not... A drunk animal VR bartending game, <laughs> and, and,
1: and that's that's what that's what disturbs art. Yeah, yeah, more often than not, is the money.
2: Yeah, and you it's like it, imagine you know investors. You know, hey, I've got this VR conferencing tool that'll revolutionize the way we educate and collaborate. Mm. Hey, I've got this game. You want to get a you going to get a chupacabra drunk with a uh, goat? You know, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: investors. That's not quite you know. what we were thinking. Yeah, <laughs> that's more.
2: Yeah, yeah. So.
1: But you know, I, I'm always fighting for artists, you know, because my thing is let artists be artists, man. Yeah. Allow artists to be artists. Like I don't know why every commercial on TV is not written by a comedian.
2: It'd be so much better.
1: Because every commercial, the funny ones are the ones. Yeah, you those the ones remember. I remember.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like ever single these commercials? We were like, how does any of the like this freaking uh, prescription drug commercials, man? Like, it's, what, a bunch of stock footage of sunsets and happy families with, like, a list of things that will kill you. Add tampon
1: commercials to that, too.
2: (laughs) Like, the same thing.
1: Like, come on, man. Like, come on, man. Every commercial should be written by a comic. Like, I need a female comic to write a tampon commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Like, first of all, we ain't that damn happy. Let's start there. (laughs) Second of all, we not swimming. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, but make it, because those are the ones you remember, you know, and it'll make TV a lot better. Yeah, this man.
2: Chantix commercial that keeps coming on my MLB TV with this this 3D rooster, or sorry, 3D turkey. Yeah.
1: You you seen this? 3D yep, turkey
2: man? Yep. Trying to sell yep. you some <laughs> some happy pills? <laughs> it's like kids, man. It's like they're like you got a it's mascot. Ridiculous. Yes. A, a turkey mascot trying
1: to sell you happy pills. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. Where does this world come into? <laughs> We're going to close it out, man. I just got a couple more things. There. All right. Who is your greatest inspiration? Man, I don't, I got
2: a few. I mean, Jesus would probably be number one.
1: I like that. Man, that's
2: an easy pick. Um, you know, even if you're not a, you know, follow that kind of belief, just, you know, you look at what he said and what he did. Right. It's hard to,
1: you know, not find that profound, right? Yeah, you know, um, I finished my first book in Jerusalem. Really? Yeah, I I'd written up to it's thirteen chapters. Now, when I when I finished originally, it was nineteen, but the last four chapters in the book, yeah, I wrote when I was in Jerusalem. Um, let
2: me see. I I think I'm not super political, but I think uh, Ron Paul had a big influence on my way that I think economically.
1: Man, how you know what you know about? It? You know, he's a Texas guy. Yeah, a Texas yeah, guy.
2: Yeah. So, so yeah. like yeah, and so like. Mm-hmm. I saw Ron Paul in like you know uh, Republican debates in like 2008. He just schooling yep. Rudy Giuliani yep. and schooling everybody. Yep. And I'm like, I like this guy. <laughs> but, but he was uh, he was like a real conservative. Well, he's super libertarian. He's personally yes, conservative, yes. but he's cool. Like he's right. libertarian, so he's there like, go. I don't agree with these actions, lifestyle, but I, I should not be able to put you in a cage there or, you or coerce money out of you. There you go. To stop you from doing it. There you go. So like I'm a I'm a you know more conservative person than average on person in in person probably personally yeah. um, but I don't put that on anyone else
1: but when you agree that most people in the south are conservative
2: yeah yeah like mm-hmm. I mean we're raised most like this.
1: like most most southerners and I try to explain that to people up north like I wouldn't say that the blacks in the south are republicans but I will say they're conservative like yeah. you're not gonna talk they to might them do about the abortion yeah, yeah. you're not gonna talk, talk them yeah. into abortion and, and yeah. a lot of left things that, that are cool up north, like New York or mm-hmm. Philly, in the south would not fly. Like, they'd be like, Yeah, it's man. not black and white. No, it, no. It, like everyone
2: the... likes to put everything in categories, And it's like, just not
1: like that.
2: And something that, you know, this is, gets a little bit into something we were talking about earlier is, I feel like everyone thinks so tribally, right? Yeah. We, we want to categorize everybody. And you can't. This category of people is doing this. This yeah. category of people, man, we're just a bunch of blends of DNA. That's like the, ra- the 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 concept of race is basically like, well, these people with, have hung out long enough in this same location, so they're d- their DNA is similar. Right. And then we call that a race. You know, like? <laughs> <laughs> and then we like to like, this hard, firm category. Oh, right. that's that race. You we gotta know? label
1: it something. We gotta label it something. But
2: it's like, yeah, everyone wants to put everything in like simple categories, yeah. and it's, it's not. It just doesn't work. You know, the politics, it's all blue versus red. Man, both those parties have some whacked out ideas and both of them have some good ideas too. And, there you go. And it's
1: not that simple. It's, it's good people in both. It's bad people in both. And like, if you think one team is a, uh, right 100% of the time, you're, then you're not independently you're thinking. You're an idiot. Yeah. yeah you're <laughs> an idiot. I mean, yeah. the, the beauty of being an American is you have the right to, to choose and to think. But we don't think. Yeah. Yeah, no, easy. We want, you, we want our memes
2: to tell us who to vote for. Man, <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? Hey, Monday, uh, one, first Sunday, you can go to a Baptist church. The second Sunday, you can go to a Catholic church. Third, Method, if and you, and you won't be persecuted. Yeah. It's countries where you just can't do that. Yeah, yeah, Pick yeah. a side. Yeah. Pick a side right yeah. now. And, and, but people just... what let people they, do as long as they're not bothering you. Yeah. You know. And that's another thing. Why are you upset what this guy does if it doesn't even bother you?
2: I don't know, man. It's, oh, it's tearing our fabric of society. It's, I, well, your horrible taste in Nickelback is tearing the fabric of society, in my opinion. I like this.
1: <laughs>
2: Sorry if you like Nickelback.
1: <laughs> well, they started out good, but anyway, uh, so one last question. If you could go back in a time in our society, in our, in our nation, in, back in history, and change one thing, what would it be and why?
2: I mean, the easy thing is say slavery, but let me give it more thought than just like throwing that out there.
1: You know, I asked this question in the... And that almost seems like
2: the answer you have to say, almost. No, yeah, no,
1: yeah. no, no. Because, and let me tell you, one of the guys uh, in that, he said, he said, well, I would say slavery, but look at all the great things that came from slavery. So he's like, so, you you know, with... with um, the culture mixing and you know great foods and all that like he went on this whole like, yeah, yeah. one of them and i was like well yeah that's one way i would man. never take that angle <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, so,
2: maybe you know if, if you could say the civil okay if, what if we could avoid the civil war i'm not saying like keep slavery what i'm saying is, what if we were able to solve it without the civil war mm-hmm. or without you know the bloodshed or world war ii you know involvement I mean, I don't know if I'd go back and change stuff about World War II because you don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't want to be that responsible for history. You know, right, change right. one little thing, and who knows? You know, sometimes good things lead to bad things, sometimes bad things lead, lead to good things. So, I mean, the the easy answer would be, in US history, would be, like, slavery. But, you know, if I sat down and thought about it, maybe I'd think of something that even affects even more people. Right, you know? right, right. Like, maybe something in World War II. Yeah. You know, it involves a lot of people dying, so... I don't know. <laughs> that's the right answer. And that's the right answer. But I'm going to go with slavery until I, I'm sure. Okay. So. Nobody will get mad about that. I'm yeah, it's mad. definitely the, the, the safe answer, but yeah. it's, it's likely the right one. You know, there you so. go. <laughs> There's a good chance it's the right one.
1: So. Hey, anything you want to say before we go?
2: I want to see. Um, so one, one thing that I talk about, I want to get on a little bit of a tangent, but it rolls back to what I was talking about earlier, is uh, like until recently, we... we, we, we we talk about this a little bit at dinner. We haven't actually. We're just now getting studies of people who've overconsumed social media their entire life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, since like five or six have been, on, you know, whatever age, young age, um, over-consuming social media, and we're finding that the overconsumption of social media, not balanced with the actual face-to-face interaction, is leading to depression, anxiety, bullying, all kinds of crazy problems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I see VR doing is where. Social media has dehumanized conversation and communication from a complex exchange of facial expression, vocal intonation, body language, eye movement, right? Down to just like or not like, right? Or, yeah, right? It's dumbed down the super complex exchange of all these things that give us little shots of dopamine and serotonin, and now retrain your brain to get shots of serotonin and dopamine based off of a like. right. And if you, most of your sociali- "quote-unquote" socializing is based off social media, if only five percent is like what we're doing here, that's going to wire your brain to not function well to face-to-face conversation, mm. you know. Um, and so, what VR is doing with the ability to track body movement, you know, eye tracking, capturing your voice, you're talking to people, uh, 3D positional audio—it's actually going to rehumanize social media. Okay, you know, it's going to put take human data it to the avatars and actually kind of rehumanize. So I think we're going to be back on the swing up. we hit kind of rock bottom of the dumbest way to socialize already with, with the like button. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to kind of, the pendulum's swinging back to the side of a little more human characteristics.
1: I like that. I mean, because some people think, man, we just need to get rid of it. Well, that's not an option. Yeah, it's it's here. (laughs) Like, you know.
2: Yeah, it's like, yeah,
1: people, you don't get rid of the tool. Figure out what's wrong with it and how you can make it better. Make it better. I like that. That's a good closing. Well, hey, man, it's been a pleasure, and I I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. Good
2: podcast. I can't wait to hear it.
1: Yes, sir. And actually, I hate hearing myself, but. I'll listen anyways. We'll make it nice. We'll make it nice. (laughs) I'll share it and other people listen to it for sure. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) All right. uh, We'll be talking to you guys next week on the Life is Not Complicated. You are a strong opinion podcast.